All right, man, here we go. This is going to be a bit maybe of an origin story. Oh, boy, everybody loves an origin story. So, yeah, that'll be good. But not like the whole Marvel comic or, you know, whatever they yeah. shoot in the movies these days where everything's an origin story. You know, you and I Didn't were... get bit by a radioactive spider. No. That I know of. <laughs> you know, I don't want to clue everyone in at home to our very detailed and how many members of the production team we have to figure out topics and what we're going to talk about mm. each day. Um, it's a complicated process, yes. <laughs> it really is. Top secret. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's usually a text that says, how does this sound? And you're like, I like that or I don't like it or that's kind of boring. <laughs> or, hey, that's a really cool question. And and you had one today that certainly had potential we, we might loop back to. But then I don't know how this popped into my mind, but I went on a mini rant and text that is like, man, I don't know. It just seems like the further away we get from 2001 or whenever it was of, you know, the website going live and of course CrossFit existed before that as to the origins and the purpose and the why you know it's like when you throw a rock into a pond and you have that first big ripple and then every ripple mm-hmm. that goes out you know is a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller but it's like sometimes I think people through no fault of their own if you've got into CrossFit the last three four five maybe even ten years which is a big chunk of time your view of what it's for or why you do it and how it's do it, how you should do it might largely be shaped by the media that you consume, which a lot of times is something happening on a competition floor, but that wasn't around. So I was just like, man, we got to take a walk down memory lane as to the, the why this whole thing even came about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is uh, noteworthy that there are lots and lots and lots of applications to CrossFit. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that you can mold it into many, many different outcomes, which is great. Um, but I do think it's also kind of fun to take a look back and see, okay, where did this come from? What was the original intent? And where should that kind of guide things uh, to a broad degree uh, in the future? You know, you saying that it's whatever you just said that you know, moldable or whatnot, or it can be the yeah. base to certain other things. You know, I like that. And that's something I've communicated to people previously, but I've never been exceptionally happy with whatever whatever analogy I find is almost kind of clunky. But I always want to get that point across because CrossFit is an interesting and confusing thing in that regard, that it is <laughs> this it is this thing that we can beautifully define and articulate. And, and well, if you can't put some boundaries on something, then you can't contain it and, and know what it is. But we can do that. But at the same time, it's also this thing that you can knock those boundaries down and it flows into all these other, it's, it's, a, it's a unique methodology. And, and I've, like when I say it's maybe like, you're, it's the foundation, right? You're gonna build a house, it's the foundation. Well, that makes sense in the fact that it's the base layer, but the foundation of a home is not a complete structure. And it feels mm-hmm. like, well, you put something worthwhile on the foundation. So that's doing cross it a disservice. It's, it's funny because it is the foundation from which you can launch into a whole bunch of other things, but it is also the self-contained unit that you don't need anything else. Like it is its own little world. And, and you know, like if the foundation was also the completed house at the same time. So it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing, thing to try to wrestle with. So what, when you, well, I was, I was going to say, I, I think say, it can be please, both. You know, give me, how do you I, say it? I, I like to just describe it as a platform. For most people, I think that's the biggest benefit is that you create this platform of fitness that's broad enough that you can spring off of that platform into whatever else you want to do. 
And if that's more CrossFit, then hey, more power to you. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I don't know that finding a perfect analogy is necessary. I think it just needs to be close enough that you can convey the big broad stroke, which is, hey, you're going to have a fitness that lends itself generally well to all sorts of different things. And that's going to allow you the physical freedom to pursue anything that you want, whether that is more CrossFit, whether that's a particular aspect of CrossFit that interests you and that may ebb and flow and change over time. All of that's fine. Whether that's a, a sport that you'd pick up recreationally, um, whether that's something that has to do with your occupation, you know, again, most of those things will not remain static over the course of one's life, but the platform below it is still going to serve every one of those ends. And so I think that's the real important stuff. And so I do think that a foundation or a base or something that kind of equivocates to that is a good analogy, even if it can be more than that. I think it's accurate mm -hmm. enough. So I just had something popping in my head, which <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's appropriate for the show, but it got me thinking about <laughs> uh -oh. the old days and, and nostalgia <laughs> and, and all this stuff and um, how s much smaller cross it was back in the day. And that's not for better or yeah. for worse. It, just, it was what it was. You know, if you asked 100 people at the mall what cross it was in 2005, 99 people oh, would look at no you with a weird look on your face. And back then, cross it was all chuck taylors and board shorts you know that was mm -hmm. the that was the gear you know there wasn't any fancy gear and i remember when i get into crossfit in, in 2005 of course i have an obsessive personality so like i was all in and just having a blast and getting humbled all the time and i was like man i want to like support the cause somehow you know, i gotta like buy a t-shirt or something you know there's t-shirts for sale through the website so i bought a t-shirt to like so i could rock it uh and just feel good and do you know what the first CrossFit, you certainly cannot buy this anymore, be wildly inappropriate. You know what the first t-shirt I bought was? Old school. Uh, was it Was it the smoky like cheap crack? That's exactly what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Just black t-shirt, white bold letters said smoky like cheap crack, cheap crack. I can't imagine. That's probably not a high selling item these <laughs> days. But, you know, things, things were different, I guess, back there in 2005. So when you... Yeah, when you think about the origins and why this methodology even came into existence, you know, where do you start that story or, or what is the why that you tell people? Because back then, it, there was no CrossFit Games. There was no Open. So you right. weren't doing CrossFit to then go perform at a competition. You must have been doing it for some other reason. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there was a certain subset on the Internet um, in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands that was interested in just raw performance. And so, you know, you would have the general fitness kind of big box gym, uh, person who is mostly interested in just, you know, aesthetics or bodybuilding or something like that. But then you had kind of a more hardcore contingency that was into a particular element of training. So you would have powerlifting message boards and they were, you know, really under the pursuit of just getting more weight on the bar. Um, Olympic lifting in the United States and North America particularly was pretty niche at the time. Oh yeah. So like, you know, they were rare person to run into, uh, rare to find, you know, information surrounding that. Um, strongman, same thing. It was a pretty small world. I think that is still pretty, uh, as far as people doing it, it's, it's larger than it is, uh, has been. Jeez. But it's still a pretty relatively small group of people that engage with it. Um, 
anyway, point being is that there were all these kind of niche, uh, I would say more hardcore endeavors into aspects of fitness instead of just going to the gym to look better or get a pump, so to speak. And CrossFit to me, I think was one of the early uh, kind of thought experiments to take a look at what really moves the needle forward for these different domains of fitness. So, okay, what is it that makes somebody strong? Is it doing a bunch of biceps curls or is it focusing on your deadlift? Mm-hmm. You know, well, there's a pretty obvious answer there. If you're looking at just the raw brute strength, one is clearly going to have a superior impact over the other. Same thing. If you want to talk about mastering the control over your own body, well, okay, who has the best ability to do that? Let's take a look at what is the building blocks of that training and incorporate that great. Okay. Who's got the greatest endurance? What do those athletes train like and, and how are they approaching it? Well, you take a look at rowers and track athletes and, and you say, all right, well, that nobody is coming close to these athletes as far as their lung capacity, their ability to endure <clears throat> at high paces and high outputs. All right, we're going to mix some of that in there. And it may seem like that it creates a program that's really big and bloated, but to be honest, I think what was most radical about it was that it was, it was a stripping away of mm-hmm. all of the excess that wasn't useful from so much of the commercial fitness industry. And so really, it kind of boiled things down to what are the bare bones elements that one person would need to be generally fit and generally well-rounded? What can we get away with getting rid of forever and never saying, hey, you know what? I think that has to be a, a cornerstone. And what are you left with in that? And to me, that was kind of the uh, the most exciting thing about CrossFit back in the day is that it was it was pretty reductionist in a lot of ways, extremely reductionist, and included included a bunch of movements that most people weren't familiar with or seemed too at complicated time, yeah. or, or or too whatever. Yep, at the time for sure, or, or they were reserved for just like a hardcore athlete like you would not yes. see regular people doing them it's like okay well maybe if this person was training for the hammer throw they would be doing power cleans but the average person no way there's no way right. that power cleans would find their way into your training and then the introduction which wasn't big at all of intensity i mean hence why that sort of aspect you could write a very large detailed beautifully footnoted scientific article as to why that works or you could just have an, an image of a puking clown and so we went with the image of a puking <laughs> clown <laughs> and figured that's gonna oh, get boy. the point across that's where we're all about uh, there but 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 point being those elements had never been combined extraordinarily hard work we're not going to lie to you and say that you can casually and moderately achieve an elite level of fitness sorry not right. going to happen it's going to come through a very uncomfortable high level of effort that a lot of people are going to turn away from and saying otherwise is just telling you a falsehood so we're not going to do that these movements really drive the drive it forward and they're going to be combined in some way that back then was largely revolutionary right there's so many like old crossfit lines and greg glassman originals that are so great you know looking in the rearview mirror and right on point you know like one of them was that segmented training produces segmented capacity you know which and that's what most of us were doing back then right i would separate my cardio from my quote-unquote strength training and my strength training never really got me out of breath it was three sets of 10 on the bench or three sets of 10 whatever and i would take one minute rest between each and then once that was done 
Then I'd go do 45 minutes on the elliptical or 45 minutes. The two were never blended. I was never sprinting from the bench to, to run a 400 on an incline treadmill and sprinting back to the bench, hyperventilate. The, they, the two worlds never met. And then, of course, you know, when somebody, you know, when I sat in my first level one and somebody far more intelligent than me lectured to me and they explained, well, what happens when you're out in the real world? Do you find that your cardio needs and your strength needs are always separate or they, does life not care about that and, and blend them together? And then all of a sudden, this segmented capacity that you built explodes in your face and you wonder, why does this weight feel so heavy or why am I so out of breath? Because you're, you're not training in a way that actually truly repre- represents what the demands are that you're going to face in the real world. And I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. You know, so when, when that whole phrase training for life came around, it seems like it might just be kind of a feel good tagline that a PR company came up with, but it's actually, that wasn't the case. The, the origins of CrossFit really were training for life, looking at what life could throw at you trying to replicate that to make you as bomb-proof as possible should you face those things out in the real world. And you were training for life. The tagline was training for life, not for training for competition, because all these competitions that are so popular right now, they didn't exist. We were 100% training for life. And that, to me, is a huge part of the original story. Yeah, it's interesting because the competition element of it really was done on a microcosmic level. You know, the introduction Absolutely. of the timer, <laughs> um, the white you know, posting your results. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the early days of the message board and the, and the CrossFit.com website where people would post their times and you kind of had people that were around your level that you kind of look for and you try to you know, rank yourself against them. But really all that was there for was to gamify intensity and to make sure that there was a way that that was at the forefront of your mind when you were training. That was the the competitive utility for that uh, particular element. But yeah, I think what's also kind of interesting about this is um, one of the early articles I remember reading in the CrossFit Journal, which still resonates with me to this day, was the, the Garage Gym Revolution. And the Garage Gym, I think they had two... Um, articles, uh, maybe a year or two apart. And basically the argument was that like, Hey, you know, the commercial fitness industry has convinced you that you need to come into a facility that's 10,000 square feet that has a bunch of selectorized pieces of equipment. And you're going to go from piece to piece to piece until you've got a good quote unquote workout on every part of your body. And you're going to do that a couple times a week. And then presto, that's going to be able to serve some sort of fitness function out in the real world. And most of us now look at that model and we're like, well, okay, if you want to be aesthetically pleasing, maybe that's an approach that would work. However, if you want to do something with the raw horsepower of your fitness, that's unlikely to get you where you want to be. Most people just understand that these days because of the pervasiveness of programs like CrossFit. Um, But that wasn't the case back in the early days. And so, again, to kind of get back to this um, minimalist thrust, the the thrust of those articles was very much like, hey, you can build a world-class fitness facility with a small amount of space, a modest budget, and the willingness to put in the work. That's all it really takes is one or two of these big, broad tools, a barbell and a couple of plates. The breadth of what that opens up to you to be able to train 
is enormous. So that's a great investment. You know, having somewhere that you can run in close proximity to that barbell. Now you got a whole other world opened up to you. Having some place that you can hang and do some bar, like pull-up bar style work. Okay, now you've got another world of, of opportunity opened up to you. With those three elements, you have countless combinations of things that you could work on. And all of a sudden, boom, your fitness and what you can use that fitness for becomes exponentially more effective, even though the tool set that you used to get there was pretty modest. And so, you know, to me, it kind of echoed on itself, meaning it was like this anytime, any place kind of thing. If you had the right mentality and the right base level of knowledge with a few different pieces, you could get fit anytime, any place. And the hope is that by extension, your fitness would serve you anytime in any place. It doesn't matter if, like you said, you knew it was something that you were able to train for, a sporting event, whatever. Okay, well, you could be prepared in that regard. But maybe it was something that you weren't prepared for. It was a, an emergency that happened on your block right. or there was you know, something that came up that was outside of your normal daily routine that required your fitness you would be able to tap into that. And so that I think was kind of this cool, uh, I don't know, just, just symbiotic relationship. It doesn't take a lot to get a lot and it's, it can be developed anytime, anyplace, and it can be used anytime, anyplace. I think that was really at the core of what CrossFit identified as in the early days. Do you think, you know, I had some areas that I wanted to go and now my brain's gone somewhere else. I, I don't, I don't know the answer to this question, but it's popped into my head. Am I just potentially over romanticizing and not remembering the past properly? But I feel like back in the day, hate to even that I said that, you know, whatever it is, early days, like, um, I, I feel like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Maybe I feel like these days people have, some people have l latched onto the handful of movements they really like the handful of loadings that they really liked. And they could be really impactful functional movements that you know, would serve sure. you quite well, but they're, they're comfortable to stay there because they're comfortable to stay there. Whereas I feel like almost part of the, the excitement and the allure and the addictiveness for me of early CrossFit was seeing the workout next day, uh, tomorrow's workout, and seeing how wildly different it was than whatever I did today. And half the time I was like, whoa, that's going to be, I don't know, not quite sure if I can do that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see yeah. how this goes. That's going to get me way outside my comfort zone. Uh, yep. And I, I feel like maybe, maybe I'm, this is my personal bias, but I feel like that it's easy to lose that and just stay in your little comfortable realm. I think that's true, but I'll push back on that a little bit in the sense that once something becomes more mainstream and there's more expressions of it, uh, I think there's a much broader, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's a much, um, kind of broader adoption of it. And therefore what's within your comfort zone is actually pretty big. You know what I mean? Sure, like I think sure. that in the modern day, um, if you go to the average affiliate, what's within quote unquote, the comfort zone of the average affiliate member there, it's pretty darn broad. Uh, even if, you were to analyze the programming for a month or two and you're like, okay, they kind of, you know, bias towards this particular skill set and this particular loading. I mm -hmm. think it's probably arguably more broad than it was in the early days, just by the nature of equipment, space, 
coaching methodology is being more widely available. So I get what you're saying in spirit, but I don't know if that actually bears out. Oh, good. Like I said, I wasn't yeah. wed to it. I wasn't sure. It just popped into my head. And like I said, I wasn't, um, I wasn't sure if I was over romanticizing something, which, you know, I have a tendency to do. Yeah. Um, now, now is there maybe more of an attitude of people putting harder boundaries around what is acceptable and what's not maybe, but I think within that, it's still a pretty big expression. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say that honestly, the other end of it is probably more true, or at least more what I've seen and what I've experienced is that people are now convinced of kind of the inverse of what I was just talking about. So back in the day, it was, Hey, big fitness industry is going to convince you that I need a 10,000 square foot facility. It's got to have all the bells and whistles. You need to be there and you got to work through each one of these things. That's why they're there. It's the only way to get it, get the job done, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like we're starting to see that attitude creep back in to the average CrossFitter or at least the average affiliate oh, where they say, okay, what do you mean? I need, well, I need this massive facility. I need every single tool under the sun. I need, you know, all of these different diversities of, of equipment. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, sure, those are nice to have. It's nice to have three different sled variations and a ski erg uh, right, and a, right, right. this and a that and the other. But how much of it do you actually need to push the needle forward? The answer is not that much. It's nice to have it and it's nice to continue to expand what you have access to. But you can't forget that at its heart, this program was very minimalist and you can do a lot with a little. And that doesn't change just because there's more access to more pieces of gear. And there are more things that may be included that, that weren't in the early days. Mm -hmm. So I almost see it as the opposite. Like the danger is I can't get as fit because I don't have access to a mega facility. And it's like, no, that's uh, not true yeah. at all. Yeah I, can, yeah, I can see that. I can see that happening. Yeah, You know, getting back to the whole origins thing, you know, I scratched down a few of the classic taglines that used to be around that I always enjoyed and enjoyed looking <laughs> back on. And one of them was, you know, unknown, unknowable, which that gets thrown around all the time. And I think that now, you know, it was a great tagline for a lot of, you know, competitions in the games as well, because you don't know how many events they're going to be. You don't know what, you know, sure. you don't know what it's going to be. You have to be ready for the unknown and the unknowable. But just to let people know if maybe they're that's been their world. You know, when that first came out, you know, CrossFit was so popular with just police, firefighter, military, mm -hmm. first responder. And that was largely because, I mean, that simple phrase of unknown, unknowable, that was just a bullseye for that community. So that community, yeah. you know, if your life is relatively predictable, that can be a wonderful thing. Living a safe, happy, comfortable life, that could be a good thing. But there are some, some people out there who don't they're not in charge of what their next day is going to look like is it going to be a casual day or is you know their phone going to buzz the alarm going to go off they're going to sprint out the door to take care of something and if you're a police firefighter whatever it happens to be will it be a one mile foot chase will it be a 100 yard sprint will it be a hellacious two-minute fight for your life with a drunken suspect that outweighs you by 30 pounds? Will it be a combination of all those things? Will there be fences and obstacles to jump? Will there be something to slide under? Will it be a search and rescue in mountainous terrain that takes eight hours and goes over the course of the night? I mean, that's a huge different degree of physical capacities and time domains in the whole nine mm -hmm. yards, energy systems. And so, 
when CrossFit came around and they talked about developing a broad, general, and inclusive fitness, being ready for the unknown and the unknowable, and just kind of producing this athlete that walked around in a physical ready state, and whatever life threw at them, you said, hmm, I don't care, I can do that. That was like the whole goal. And to me, especially coming from the military, that was very seductive, intoxicating, and as it resonated with me, and I was like, I can get, I can get behind that 100%. So that original unknown unknowable was largely linked to a lot of those sort of first responder things, because I mean, that was just exactly what they do. And, and in that world, getting back to what I said earlier, those people didn't have the luxury of segmenting their strength and their cardio like their occupation mm-hmm. and the demands of whatever was the emergency that day was most likely going to blend those two worlds together and if you weren't training that way you were only going to perform at a fraction of the capacity had you been embracing something like crossfit yeah absolutely and i also think that there's a an efficiency factor that was really appealing and intentional uh which i think is sometimes lost with the average CrossFitter these days because, and again, I don't know that this is necessarily a bad thing. People fall in love with the activity itself and they want to do more of the activity. Okay, fine. No problem there. That's great. If that's your outlet and that's what is motivating to you, hey, more power to you. But again, in the early days, there was a big understanding that most of the communities that you mentioned, not only are they going to be called on to use that fitness in ways that can be unknowable at times, they're also going to be doing the job on a regular basis, which doesn't leave infinite amount of time for training. There's not going to be hours and hours and hours. You know, if you have somebody who's a, a a police officer, for example, and they're working shift work on a regular basis, you know, it's going to be working out at odd hours when you can squeeze it in. And it's not going to be something that you just have the luxury of, of time and resource. So for that reason, it was also very much at the forefront that it's like, hey, you can push the needle forward significantly with a truncated effort that hits the right things. You hit those things hard and it will accelerate your progress. You don't need to be there for two hours every day to see a significant improvement that is applicable almost maybe not immediately because it does take time physiologically for these things to happen, but relatively quickly, you're going to develop some real raw capacity without breaking the bank on time. And I think that's something that, um, you know, maybe for some people is less emphasized these days because they enjoy the activity in and of itself. And like I said, yeah. that's fine, but, but, uh, but that shouldn't be confused with, I need that amount of time to push the needle forward. Yeah, and maybe that's, yeah, I I could see that as well. It'd be interesting if somehow you could give a survey out to people without letting them know what you're trying to get to the bottom of it. I'd be curious if you had people that came into CrossFit in the last five, seven years, something like that, and you said, okay, the workout of the day is, you know, your friend and mine, Helen. Is it ample to go in, warm up, do Helen and go home, and will that, will that, drive your fitness forward i would be actually genuinely curious to see what percentage of people are like oh my goodness i mean are you kidding me just that we did nothing before we did nothing after yeah. absolutely not and what percentage is like oh yeah you hit it hard i'm ready to go home that would be uh maybe at least people in the comments it'd be a fascinating thought experiment and that's what i think maybe also as the years go by that original intent which we hit you know regularly in the podcast sure. i think um 
fades a little bit. But I, again, I don't know if that's just my own jaded perception of it. And like you said, you do whatever you want to do, like I've said before, but but don't don't think that the methodology and the effectiveness of it is any less potent today than it was when it first came around. That 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 same minimal dose that was proven to be so dramatic over 20 years ago is just as dramatic today. So if you want to do more, great, but it will still deliver the goods in that very minimalist application. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's always, I think, been at the heart of the program, too, is that you don't have to take our opinion for it or anybody's opinion for it. At the end of the day, the program is really resting on the fact that it's either going to work or it's not. And you can see that objectively from the results that you're getting. So if you come back and revisit something, you know, what was your experience like this time versus last time? And yeah, obviously, there's some nuance to that as your training age in, in increases. Uh, as your physical age increases, it's not just going to be this linear straight shot to the top, but particularly when you're new, particularly when you're still developing, you're going to see objective returns pretty quickly and pretty regularly. The weights you're lifting are going to in increase. The reps that you're going to be able to handle are going to increase. The skills that you acquire are going to increase. The times that you can do some of these workouts in is going to be faster. These are all very black and white indicators that, yep, the thing is working. And so, again, you don't have to take our opinion for that. That's something that, you know, you can just observe over time. And it is kind of cool to see. Yeah, some people take this very seriously. And um, it's kind of fun sometimes to experiment. Like, what is the minimum amount of training I can get away with and still see these things mm -hmm. moving in the right direction? And in many cases, it's pretty shocking that you don't need much. Um, if you're willing to get after it and, and be honest about those efforts, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty minimal. I had a workout that I did. Was it yesterday? No, it was on Monday. I did a workout on Monday that I think encapsulates this really well that, that myself, I'm please everybody watching or listening. You know, most of the things that I say on this show, I have been, um, guilty on the other side of the misunder <laughs> misunderstanding yeah. or not not figuring out why it worked. You know, I'm, I'm a habitual sure. slow learner. Anything which is different is witchcraft and I don't like it and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was a blockheaded um, moron in my younger years and I still am to a degree, but just hopefully less so these days. But on Monday's workout, it was a workout that it was 275 on the bar and that for a deadlift paired with a box jump. Now, I, know a, I know that's just obviously a, a, a stinger of a combo, but just a 24-inch box, okay, your regular box, 275 in the bar, wasn't even a 21-15-9. It was, it was 15-12-9, deadlift box jump. Mm. That's it. And intentionally, to make it really short, like try to make it like a, a franish, terrible experience. But that, you know, there are some people who smashed that workout, like one of the fastest times I saw was like 245, you know, by a regular human wow. being. It took took me five twelve, by the way, and it was yeah. like a, tr a train hit me. But <laughs> but pre cross or like original. This is maybe what I was getting at. Like the original dose. I worked out on Monday for five minutes and twelve seconds, and I did nothing afterwards. I did no accessory right. work. I did no second sesh. I did no conditioning piece. I did no little burner. Whatever the other phrases are that come out there, I went in. I warmed up, took me about 12 minutes to warm up. I did a five minute and 12 second workout. And then I stretched my hip flexors and left the gym. 
So start to finish with the stretching at the end was maybe at 20 minutes, period, end of story. Yeah. So if I was in the gym for 40 minutes, I'm just staring at the wall. I mean, for an hour, I had 40 minutes. I didn't need to do anything. I just went inside. And I think that people hear something like that and be like, mm, that's not going to be enough to move the needle. He did. He did 36 repetitions of a deadlift and 36 repetitions of a 24-inch box jump in about five minutes and went home. Mm-mm, that guy's going to be out of shape in two weeks. I think that um, that potentially the whole, you know, the more is better creeps. And I think that original stinger couplet high intensity, um, that stuff still works. It still works really, really well. Now, every day isn't a five minute workout that I do for sure. But you got to allow yourself those every now and then. And, and please trust me, everybody. They still get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think it's an easy mindset to start allowing a little bit of um, kind of momentum creep in the direction that, you know, at least I find myself in this scenario where I know where the high point for my training has been. And I would look at a workout like that. And after the five minutes, I'm like, well, you know, it's been a while since I've done X. I should probably, and then one thing leads to another. And before you know it, you've put in all these extra things that weren't really on the menu for the day. Again, not the end of the world, but was it actually Correct. necessary? That's a separate question. And it's one that's easy to start to convince yourself of all of these bells and whistles were actually what got the job done, not the main course itself. Yep. <laughs> so I think it's a worthwhile examination to just kind of step back once in a while and say, what did I actually need to, uh, yep. to, to have a good session and what actually was driving my progress within that? Was it, was it all these other things around it? Was it the peripheral or was it the fact that I put the nose to the grindstone and like you did finish this deadlift box gym workout in five minutes, you know, like that's, that's not easy to do. That's the driver of progress. Ultimately yep. want, want versus need. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, just a little, just a little trip down memory lane as to, you know, origins of CrossFit. What, why did it even come into existence? You know, largely who are the people that embraced it initially and why did they do it? Well, because it really helped prepare people for an unknown and noble occupation. Didn't have to spend a lot of time in the gym. They could then train for their job or occupation or whatever it happened to be and have themselves in a high state of physical readiness. Everything you did had a really nice transference to a, a wide range of activities. Even if you haven't exposed yourself to that before, there was something mm -hmm. in your training that gave you some degree of confidence to be like, you know what? I haven't done exactly that before, but I can hack that. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. And that was, that was the cool part of it. That's what sucked me in. So that's why yeah. I keep doing it. Well, I, yeah, and I, I completely agree with all of that. And I am absolutely kind of a purist at heart when it comes to that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm on the same page there with you. The last thought that I have on this was something that you touched on earlier, but I do think it's important to um, at least put a little bit more time into this. But that's the idea that earlier in the CrossFit movement, I do think it was a lot more accepted that you're going to do something that is hard and you're not going to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And that was in itself a very good thing. You know, Greg used to say all the time, it's found its way into the level one material. It's a big part of it that, you know, you have more to gain by headlong pursuit of the things that you are weak at 
rather than trying to push out the margins of your strength. Adding another 10 pounds to your deadlift when you're already deadlifting 600 pounds, that ain't really going to have a big effect overall. But if you're having a hard time making the mile with that 600 pound deadlift under your belt, getting better at that mile is going to have a much more profound impact on your ability broadly than that 10 pounds extra on the deadlift that you're already strong on. Now, if you can hang on to that deadlift while your mile time is improving, hey, even better. That's the best of both worlds. But there was an acceptance of like, man, I suck at that. That's where I need to be focusing my time. And I think that sometimes is maybe less emphasized these days. Could you say that quote one more time from Greg? Yeah, that the, the headlong pursuit of your weaknesses is where you have more to gain than continuing to push out your strengths. And I paraphrase that. I don't know exactly yes. the wording that, that he used to use, but, but that is the general idea. I am so glad you said that at the end of this. That, that's like a splinter in my brain that you just helped me pull out. That, <laughs> that, that I could. <laughs> yes, that you just said it so much more eloquently and concisely than when I was stumbling around with trying to express at the beginning of like, hey, I feel like something has changed. Yes, that. That's exactly yep. what I was saying. The pursuit of hard things. Yes, thank you. And you're going to look yeah. unathletic and you might tumble yep. down the leaderboard and you're going to be way outside of your comfort zone. Or you're going to feel, yes, that's yeah. awesome. And embrace it because there's so much great stuff there. Yeah, well, and the benefit of that too is that it can be very rewarding. It's difficult and it's confronting, but at the end of the day, man, you make progress fast when you suck at something, uh, you know, at least in proportion to what you are already good at. You know, shaving 10 seconds off of your 800 meter time, that's hard to do if you have a really good 800 meter time. But if you've never run 800 meters, man, shaving 10 seconds off of that's going to happen within the first month. That's mm -hmm. a no brainer. It's just exposure at that point that will, you know, allow some of these really big leaps forward. So it does seem like it's hard at first and it is very confronting to be like, wow, that, that took it out of me, you know, but the reward on the other side is that you will see progress very quickly and you will see that it applies very broadly because of that. So take that to heart. I'm so happy you said that. Thank you. That was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> no problem. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're like, I got one more thing. That was, that was the bow on it that I needed. So awesome. Yeah. Well, let's let, we should probably stop it there before I, you know, keep going and say something dumb to, to yeah, count no, it out. We'll, so. we'll, we'll, we'll end on that as always, uh, you know, if anyone else has input, ideas, viewpoints, different views on anything we chatted about here, uh, their origin stories of CrossFit, if you will, I'd love to hear about them in the comments. Find this show on the BTWB YouTube channel. And, you know, we read those comments that help drive content for future shows. We've got a couple screenshots, as a matter of fact, that will probably be some of the next programs that we put together. And as I always say, want to help support the show, go to the show notes, click on the VNR cycles, check those out. We got on-ramp programs, get your, get your first pull-up, get your first handstand walk, things to help you get sorted out as an athlete. So we hope that you enjoy them. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.